you create a campaign, you put in a bunch of keywords as signals, but I think they're not going to work. And I can't prove this, but it's just my two cents of where I think we're heading. You put in a bunch of keywords related to your product, what people might be searching for. Google says, oh, that's very nice. Thank you for those keywords. Now we're going to go off and do our own thing. But thank you for the little hint of where you want us to go. We're actually going to go and take over from here. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Customer Acquisition Show. We're glad you're here. I'm Daniel Green filling in for Tom Meredith today. He's out of office, so I'm here with our team of Google experts, or as I like to call them, and maybe you don't like to be called Googlers. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. All good. good. All good. All good. It's good to see all of your faces. It's been a while. Nick's been traveling the globe. I feel like Ollie's been traveling the globe too. Rasha, I don't know if you've yeah, been we, traveling. I assume everybody travels mm. but me. <laughs> I'm with you, Daniel. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, glad you guys are here. There's not much to say other than Google's had a few changes over the past few months. And I think it's great that we do this monthly show where we dig into Google Ads. So let's just jump right in. I think one of the big changes that we talked about ahead of time today was that the dashboard is getting a little bit of a facelift, I guess you would say. What's everybody's thoughts on that? Yeah, the dashboard change is, it sounds like it's not a big deal. Like it's okay, they're changing some colors, moving some things around. But it's such a distinct change. The way they've laid things out, it's a really big change to make. And there's still the option to go back to the old layout, if you like, for a while. But the way they've laid things out, it's almost like now with Google Analytics 4, they're trying to make the user interface very unified across all their tools. Anyway, there are some other things, some changes in the dashboard, which I'll let Rasha and Ollie talk about. Google will do this. And there's always a reason behind it. So that's what makes this so interesting. It's one of the, that time, again, just gotten used to any change that Google brings in, brings around. We just have to get along with it. Like, do we have any option? No, we have to roll with it. it there is a learning curve for it. And making sure that learning curve is not affecting the ad account because now the feature that was so obviously there under the setting is going to be hidden somewhere. So you're going to be playing a little bit of hide and seek here and there. And the first five days, you'll be like, where am I spending all my budget? And you're like, what's gone wrong? But then you'll have to deep dive. This has happened with me. I'll be honest with you. There was one of the settings that Google just hidden from me. And I'm just scratching my head. Like, where is my mind going? All of the campaigns, spending the budget and like, what is happening? And then I showed it to Nick. It's like, it's really tricky. It's Google's made it like it's deep, like Google's 10th page where nobody goes on the search engine results page is what's happening with Google Ads interface. And then I dig deep and then I realized, oh my God, Google. That's funny. Yeah, it's changes like this always confuse me. Obviously, I'm not deep into Google by any means. So like I hardly even know what the interface looks like. But I just know like when I update things and things change, there is that learning period where it's just genuinely like, where did this go? Why does this work the same but somehow work differently? I think that's true is I'm 
stubborn when it comes to like video editing, for instance, I'm stubborn. I still do things old ways, even if somebody shows me new ways. But I also know that eventually like Adobe is going to just make something completely obsolete and I'm going to have to adapt. So I think there's something to be said for embracing the change for sure. Right. Changes like this, though, to your point, like it's one thing to not find anything, but I would assume there's maybe some issues that could come along with this of potentially automated flows or something like that. Uh, screw you. Chris Mercer made a really good analogy with the Google Ads dashboard. He likened it to an airplane cockpit. I've never flown a plane, but in movies, <laughs> I've seen all of the different, you know, you have the different dials, the different controls, different levers. And you get very familiar and comfortable about where to, where to find things quickly. And that familiarity helps you be efficient. And make a change like this, it's you reach for something, oh, that's not there anymore. We've got to find it. We've got to readapt. So there, there's that part of it. And the reason Google's doing this, though, is what's can only guess is to you know, only Google knows for sure. Why would they make a change like this besides just the colors, which the color scheme is new, but some of the features that you would find together are now in different sections. And I don't want to go too far into the weeds here because it does get technical, but the keywords and the search terms are now separated. They used to be together. So for those who are not so familiar with Google advertising, Keywords are like what we guess, what we expect people are searching for, that we enter. I like to use them like magnets. They're, as the analogy is, they're like magnets. We put them there. We're trying to attract as closely as possible the people who are searching for things close to that keyword. For example, searching for dog shampoo. Somebody might type in shampoo for my corgi or my shih tzu. Okay, Shampoo for shih tzus. And that's close to dog shampoo. Okay, so we're always like trying to write these keywords, but the actual search terms are what people are actually entering into the Google search bar. Those two views used to be right next to each other because you'd look at the keywords. Okay, here's our keywords. Now, underneath, if we want to see the search terms and how close we are, or what kind of search terms we're attracting, we click that next view. Those are separated now, which is really interesting because there's a theory that's been discussed that we may be heading towards a keywordless future in Google Ads. There would be no bigger change other than maybe Performance Max than if we were to move to a keywordless Google Ads. That would be massive. Google actually used that word in the presentation. Um, I don't recall exactly. But they did use a few, you know, there's a huge change coming and they did refer to a keywordless campaign targeting. What would that even look like, though? I mean, from your perspective, like, obviously, you could say it's a big change, but like, how much is that going to affect like everything you guys do on a daily basis? It would change pretty much everything we do because yeah, I see it may move towards what may be called keyword signals, where you may still input a bunch of keywords into the campaign, but Google just uses that as a starting point. And then it'll go beyond those and, oh, this is what you really meant, and then start adding its own, but we might not even see what the keywords it's adding. 
So it's going to become more of a black box. So I think it's actually going to get to the point where we're pretty much providing the product, the creative assets as a starting point, and then Google's going to go off and create more with AI-generated copy headlines. I think that's the future we're heading towards. We are actually seeing those changes come to the dashboard. So if you launch a YouTube campaign earlier, you were able to select audiences, but now you're not able to do that. The same interface that we have for the audience signals of Performance Max is the interface for YouTube ads, like YouTube campaigns. If you select your audiences, you have to create an audience, like how we create one for Performance Max, like audience signals. And so that change is already starting to see in the interface. And that will ultimately result in like you can only give signals now. You can ask that particular audience to not expand. So that change is already I'm seeing in the interface and that can definitely happen. So changes are coming is what's happening. Changes are for sure coming from a tactical side of things. What is something that you could be or should be doing right now? to start adjusting if there is anything. Maybe there's not something you could be doing and you just have to roll with the punches until then. What, from a tactical standpoint, could somebody be doing to prepare and get ready for these types of changes? Stay up to date. Yeah, stay up to date. And there's a great new video uh, officially released by Google. happens to feature our good friend, Kasim Aslam, and a panel of Google product liaisons and other, I think, even product engineers and Google, but it's mainly about what we're talking about here, the future of search advertising. But they're talking a lot about some of these things, not going as far as we've gone today and talking about this, everything's moving towards so much automation. But there's a feature in Google Ads now that's been around for quite some time, and it's called a broad match keyword. And this is... For, again, this is quite interesting for those who are not so familiar with Google Ads. But just say I sell coffee mugs, okay? And this is made of some kind of cool material. I know I can't think of a cool material, but like, okay, it's epoxy resin. No, I think epoxy resin, okay? It's like I have a surfboard made of epoxy resin. And okay, imagine this coffee cup's made of epoxy resin. Probably would be really toxic. But anyway, just say for some reason that's those <laughs> cups are made and they sell really well. Okay, so. You could put epoxy resin coffee cup. That's an, That would be exactly what people are looking for. But what Broadmatch does, if you put epoxy resin coffee cup, it's going to go out and look at the intent of what people are searching for and pretty much almost to the point it will ignore what they're actually typing in. So if somebody searches for unique coffee cup for a gift, okay, ah, epoxy resin coffee cup, that doesn't come around every day. We might show an ad to those people. And it might even go further. Somebody's just searching for unique gift for my mother, okay? And Google's like, huh, this is a pretty unique product here, maybe we can show that. And it's been confirmed that broad match can go so broad that if somebody's searching for movie tickets, but if Google thinks, sees the signals that they may convert, they may buy if it shows an ad for something completely different, like a proxy resin coffee cup, even when they're searching for movie tickets, it will. 
So that's how broad match is going. And it's something that with clients, we really make a big effort of educating on this because it's things like you may look in your ad account and see some search terms which are seemingly not relevant at all to what you're selling. But with broad match, Google's going, it's learning from what's not getting clicks as well as what is getting clicks. So as long as those search terms don't have a lot of spend on them, it's okay with broad match. Whereas previously the old way was you'd be in there like whack-a-mole just trying to see any search that wasn't relevant to what you were selling. You're just adding like neg- adding those as negatives, telling Google, don't show ads for this, show ads for this, show ads for this. We've evolved beyond that. And now Google has a goal and we have to lean into its machine learning and algorithms to reach that goal. Daniel, I'll simplify it for you. So Google knows <laughs> you better than <laughs> your significant other. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what do you like? What color do you like? What are you more likely to buy? Google knows better than you itself. Like even you don't know what you're even looking for. But yeah. What Google does Cosm say? It's 72 million points of data on every person something yeah Yeah. it's yeah i don't like thinking about that that's a little scary yeah it sounds like what you're saying though is a lot of it's coming back to leaning into the algorithm and really embracing that change because we saw that with performance max when they released that it's the same thing anthony commented earlier and was saying that performance max may may be the pilot for where google is heading with keyword lists. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thought and sounds like we just need to lean in. I, I'm still afraid about this key list, especially for low volume or it's like always come back to region, but when, for, okay, for e-commerce, it might be easier to find with broad match. But for legion, you still want to be a little bit granular on, on the words. And if you, and if it's a low volume, I find it hard for the algorithm to, to understand what we want. So if you go for, for example, we go for a small campaign to try to find a specific, I go for low firm, a specific case, you would have problem because you're not going to put broad match and having all different keywords for something that's just specific. That's what I'm scared with a keyless strategy. Yeah, I, I can understand where there's a lot of, a lot of volume, Google know a lot about all of it. That's a really good point. Yeah, because if you have a niche like injury law, you're paying sometimes, you can pay several hundreds of dollars per click just for one click. And in those cases, you don't, all the, all Google's AI works so well off volume. But when you're getting, you're paying several hundred dollars per click, you're not getting as many clicks and you need to bid. You need to adjust those bids manually. It's really a case where to win because it's so competitive, you need to be better at the manual bidding. And that's going to be really interesting to see how Google Ads has impacted in that space. And it's not only like for car Okay, for personal injury, you can have some volume because of, there's a lot of car accidents in a state, state or various region. But we, when you do something really specific in the past, to used to do the church abuse as an example. 
it's like it's specific people. It's not that many people who are going to do it. So it's hard if you put something broad to find that. It's not only for that. If you go, for example, if you go in real estate and you you you, you want to to rent a specific type of house in a specific region, it's the broad is going to put all kind of different keywords like all inclusive, and you don't want all inclusive. You want luxury, uh, then then it just go all inclusive, or it go to hotel, and you are rent. So you still have to negate those one. It's pretty hard to even with insurance, all those niche that are very expensive but are very specific it's going to be really hard with a keyless in a queue keyless are really accessible when we think about keyword less like we know google doesn't introduce something or take away something in just like a flick it goes with the transition first you'll be able to create text ads but then now you're not able to create text ads and then it will take the away take it away so with keyword less what we are already seeing is that all the match types are not as strictly as match types like the phrase is not phrase anymore like we used to know and so it's already like we are seeing there is so much of variety between the search terms whatever match type we use so that is going to go away i think before keyword less the negative keywords are something that going to go away first and then the match types are going to go away and then google's going to push you towards audience signals created by keywords and then take away keywords so that is going to be breaking down into stems and so we have to transition through that step that google's going to introduce gotcha i'll be the first to admit i know very little about google ads which is why i'm happy to have the three of you here cuz i get to ask you questions so it's springtime April is tomorrow. I live in Oklahoma. So I think one of the things on the top of everybody's mind is it's tornado season here. So just with all the stuff we've been talking about, like keywordless ads and leaning into algorithms and changes in dashboards, I think one of the highly competitive spaces here in Oklahoma as a hypothetical example of a business is a roofing company. This is their busy season, but there's a ton of competition potentially very low ad budgets but i think roofing guys a lot of their business comes they're driving around they send somebody door to door like they're doing everything they can but how does all of this affect a business like that where it's maybe a highly competitive space very busy seasonally but potentially low budgets that broad strategy could be interesting for such a company because when you go broad, like Nick Narashna explained, you you try to get the conversion. So probably Google know when it's gonna convert. So you're gonna pay less than if you do some phrase where you have a lot of competition. So you have to be in the top three, you're gonna pay a lot. But with broad, is gonna more searching for the conversion instead of always want to bid high for to win. It's more toward. So I think. With a small budget, I would go broad for that kind of company. And it's, it's a lot of factors go into this too when it's competitive. So you've got to assume that all other things are equal. So say you have two companies, they're both very quick to respond to inquiries, okay? Because if it's roofing season, somebody either needs to replace their roof to get ready or their roof's been damaged. And if they call or submit a form on a site, and it takes the first company two days to get back to them, 
when the second company gets back to them within the hour, who do you think is going to get the business with if all else is equal with the prices? So with Google Ads, it really only makes sense to be first, to bid and show up first if you're able to respond quickly and fulfill. But Google Ads can't fix things like if the sales team is missing calls or not responding in a timely manner, getting back. So that's what Google Ads can't fix. But if all those things are in place and you're looking to really dominate the market, if you get your Google Ads right and you're going to be the first when people go to Google search, which they do when they need to solve a problem, and you're showing up first because you've got your Google Ads, then that is really going to support your business to continue to get more of those leads, more of that business, and grow. So that's where, as we move into the future, if we're looking at this this key, we're really trusting the machines more. Google Ads is still going to be important. But all those other things have to be in place too. Not sure if that answers your question. That's going to be tough to say. Um, if, they, if they don't have much budget, always yeah. being first is going to be tough also. that That's quite hard. Uh, yeah, exactly. that's what I was thinking. For the local campaigns, the, that is one step to move forward when Local campaigns is where you have to really optimize. That's local SEO that helps your local campaigns. The only problem with the local campaigns is that you cannot expand that strategy. Whereas you said that there's a competition and then you cannot rely on just alone with the local campaigns because you cannot decide. There are only three placements at the top and then you have to be at the top. But that depends on your entire SEO, on your how many stars you've got, how many reviews you've got on your Google My Business. But when it comes to the competition, the manually set up like Google Ads, like the search ads is where the competition is also going to be very high. And if the competition is high, everybody has come to the search ads and obviously the local competition is high. The search ads are also going to be high. The CPCs are going to be high. You've got to have a better budget to ramp up that. Honestly, the lower budget, the bigger time for you to learn what's working, what's not working. So that initial push is with good budget is all only going to help you ramp up learning, understand what's the lowest CPC or the highest CPC, what keywords are working in that sense. So high competition, I think, for local is something that you need to have good budget if you are stepping into the search ads side. And then you think about it, like Google Ads, when you're in the local, when you're in the space that trying to dominate your local market, it's like, you think back to when all there was the yellow pages, okay, and you had, you get to a section on, say, plumbers, and the plumbers who could have the big ad on the first page. Everyone was called AAA plumbers or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be right at the beginning. If there's something to that, because just go to that section in plumbers, okay, there's the big first ad that's cost the most. The, the company that has the most paper that can be there, that can really help. But still, if you're, you don't have the largest budget, you can still compete by having your ads optimized they're going to really be competitive and you're still going to get they're still going to be shown and but the response time is so crucial that if it's phone calls make sure you always have people there to answer the phones and if there's form submissions coming in get back as soon as possible because that way your google ads are going to really help 
the most when you have those other things in place. That's interesting. Yeah. As you all know, like we've got our conversion architecture division here, which is or they handle all of the after the click stuff. And even me knowing fully what they do, I always think of that as changing up a landing page and crafting the web side of things. You rarely think about, or at least I rarely think about the customer service aspect of that too. That comes after the click as well. So that's a really interesting point is if you have a small budget and you can't necessarily outbid them for that top spot, you can sure outwork them and outperform on that customer service side to get business as well. Don't forget to create the GMB. So we talked about yellow pages. Don't forget to create the GMB directly. Yeah, Yeah, we forgot that. Directly create the GMB. We actually audited one of the clients who was doing really good on Google My Business and they had their local campaigns and everything. And so they were getting like about $5 a lead for, and they were actually roofing company. And so they were getting their lead at $5 a conversion. And then their Google ads is $5 a CPC. So there is a huge difference between your local campaigns and your Google Ads campaign. So what you're getting on local campaigns, you cannot ever expect the same results from Google. So there's this one difference also because there's a limitation in you you control. You cannot you can't control how many people you can show your local ads. You cannot control so many things. You can't expand that strategy. It is upon Google to show, okay, I think this is a relevant search. I'm going to show your ad now. So there's a huge difference between uh, local and search ads. Gotcha. Yeah, Nick, we could talk about this real quick. I know we've got some questions coming in, but you mentioned the yellow pages and that just took me back a few months ago when you mentioned out-of-placement ads. What What's going on with that? Has that happened? So for out-of-home placements are like billboards or if you go like to a shopping mall, you'll see like they have the digital displays which change every few seconds and may even include like cinema advertising and digital billboards. And uh, so you imagine running those campaigns and you'd have to have a very sophisticated, large-budget, focus-grouped, type market research method to analyze the effectiveness of those campaigns previously. But now if Google starts incorporating this for regular advertisers, what this means is that you can run a performance max campaign, which will run on search, the search ads. It'll run on shopping ads if you're e-com. It will run on YouTube. It will run on display. And it will run on these outbound, sorry, these out-of-home display placements. So connecting that because if, as we know, Google knows everything about us, if we're going to a shopping mall and Google's going to know that, okay, if we're walking near to one of these display advertisements, Google is going to know that in one way or another, through Gmail, through if we're texting, through the calls we're making, through using Google Docs, using Google Maps to get to them, all of these things. So it will, in theory, be able to link the effectiveness of this out-of-home advertisement to the final purchase, going down to when people are making a brand search, when they see the ads online, and then also seeing these outdoor placements. So this has never been done, linking this out-of-home advertising all the way through to the online advertising. It's mind-blowing, but 
that yeah. seems to be where Google's heading. Besides, yeah, like, I, unless you have as what good next time, unless you don't have a good budget, there is a, another scenario where this can be beneficial. For example, let's say that I have a restaurant at a very popular street. And I know it's about the lunch time and I want to show my ads to the people who are around that area. 30% discount, walk in now. So location-specific placements are going to be so beneficial. For example, like any other time-based low budget could be a very good test. For example, there is a school next door and you can choose that place and there are kids on holiday. You can do specific targeting for that specific area and that can be really beneficial. A best use. And again, it's going to be a test definitely for small budget. It's crazy yeah, to think of the possibilities with that. Right. And that's the thing. Yeah, that the uh, having a smaller budget, making that available to businesses that you know, another corporation like a multinational corporation. It's pretty cool. You're given the tools, you just need to be creative. Yeah, the thought of what you were saying, the example of a restaurant, I don't know, I just think about going downtown here in Oklahoma City. And if I were a small restaurant, you know, locally owned, but I had some money to spend on ads and I could do this, and I don't know, maybe 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I can run this time-based ad that's like today only, 20% off your lunch or something. And it's just placed in downtown to drive the traffic that's already there. Like, I, I, you could get crazy with this, I bet. Like, there are football games that go on. You can target specific. There's endless possibilities. You just need to be creative to think those scenarios. You have the tools and make the best of it. That's cool. Let's get to some of these questions. How about this? What do I do if my campaign is not using the whole daily budget? My keyword search volume, 1K and above. It depends what bidding strategy you're using before we can answer here. So if the search volume is 1K and above, and it also would be interesting, there's a lot of factors that could be affecting this. So Google's, if you have a target ROAS or target CPA and Google is not hitting the daily budget, it's likely going to be that your target CPA and your target ROAS, you need to relax that or try taking it off so it can hit the daily budget. If you're using manual bidding, it's going to be that your bids aren't high enough. And you can also look at your column for search impression share lost and have a look how much is lost due to rank or how much is lost due to budget. If you have, say, 30 to 40% impression share lost due to budget, which unlikely if the campaign's not spending, then that's an easy fix. But if it's due to rank, then it's going to be due to things like your ads, how relevant they are, and how well you're writing those ads to match the keywords. Because if the ads aren't written in, if the ads are if the ads are poor, poorly written, then Google's not going to show them as much, or they're not going to get as much clicks, and then the campaign's not going to spend its full budget. We had a follow up question. I think that was in response to that, which is exactly what you asked right off the bat: is what bidding strategy oh, are you yeah. using? Yeah. So you were right on. So what about this? Which niche is more in demand in the U.S. right now to target for PPC marketing? Am I the only one in the U.S.? I'm close. Ollie is in the U.S. Well, Ollie's exotic. He's 
sort of half the time in the US, half and half the time in New York and Miami, and half the time in Belgium. Um, one leg in Belgium, one in New York. <laughs> so, what thinks she's more demanding in US right now? So, when you say more in demand, I think that's what the question is. So, more mm-hmm. more demanding or more in demand? I think it's the question is more in demand. That's I think it's the, the platform. Which particular platform is popular in PPC? What niche? Okay, so is that we're talking like personal injury law, e-commerce? That's a really good question. I think they yeah. all are, <laughs> to be honest. I think every niche. I think the question is, if you're looking to niche down, that's that can be a good idea. What niche do you want to go into? And in terms of being in demand, here's why Google Ads is so in demand right now, because of all the changes that have happened. And as we were talking about at the beginning, some of the features that have been updated, a lot of advertisers who were doing their ads in-house before are just like, we can't keep up with all these changes. It's what we were doing before. We knew how to do that. Now with all these match type changes and AI and performance marks, they're just like, how do we do this? So that means Google advertisers who are up to date know how to use these new features going to be in demand. So then that's for any niche. Hopefully that answers answers those questions. If anybody else has any more questions, feel free to drop them in the comments. Any thoughts on anything we've talked about? At least three of the four of us can answer them. I'll be the odd man out, but I'll throw in my opinion if I can. So what else has been going on with Google? I know we briefly talked about location targeting. That was a topic, I think, last month when we all got together. Is anything new developed there? Location targeting is just that Google has pulled back on that people interested in. There was a bit of a confusion that you can go beyond the location targeting that you've selected, which was a default and also recommended by Google. And that's where most of the budgets were going for most of the campaigns. And so right now, I'm not really sure exactly when that is going to be rolled out, but they're definitely taking away that option where you can target the location, the who is interested in the location that you have selected. For example, I've selected Canada and then I can my ads can be shown to a person who's sitting in Ecuador, but the person is interested in Canada because they looked for the capital of Canada one day on Google. That's where that setting, I think I'm, it's good that it's going away um, because you'll have more control on it. We got another question coming in. I, I, it's not surprising, but this one's about AI. I feel like we, we can't ever go through a show without talking <laughs> AI these days. So what is everyone's thoughts on what search ads will look like in the future with all of the AI wars happening we were touching on this earlier about the keywordless future, and it's quite possible. You can already create keywordless campaigns with Dynamics search ads and Performance Max. You're not actually entering the keywords. This is where we may be heading. You create a campaign, you put in a bunch of keywords as signals, but they don't. I think they're not going to work. And I can't prove this, but it's just my two cents of where I think we're heading. You put in a bunch of keywords related to your product, what people might be searching for. Google says, oh, that's very nice. Thank you for those keywords. Now we're going to go off and do our own thing. But thank you for the thank you for the little hint of where you want us to go. We're actually going to go and take over from here. 
So where previously you would put a keyword in, that's how Google will trigger you. had a lot of control. So that's where I think we're heading. I think the keywords are going to change from being keywords to more like signals. It's like saying to Google, hey, go and start here for people who search for these things. And then it's going to go, oh, jolly good. I'll go do that. But just know I'm going to go way beyond those and your nice little keywords there. Thank you. But I'm going to do much better. Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to operate a lot. Something like chat GPT where it's, you give it a prompt, it does the work. Just you, it's, it's mind blowing. You think about it. And this is the thing, as long as Google has a goal, which is an event that happens basically in a web browser where somebody makes a purchase, cool. That's the event it wants. And then it's going to track all the different journeys to get to that across the internet and possibly now even outside of the internet for out-of-home advertising. And it sees that goal, and it's just going to learn. It's a learning machine. How to get there, okay? And then you think of AI creating the ads, creating the images. I think that's where we're heading. So I think it's all going to be about putting the right inputs in, really understanding the customers, and guiding the algorithms. I think a great word I love, somebody said, we're not not going to be media by turning into algorithm jockeys. So we're writing the (laughs) we're writing the we're writing the algorithm and just steering it in the direction we want it to go. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony followed up talking more about the SERP layout since all these search engines will be incorporating AI chat into the mix. So in theory, user behavior will change to use chat and not click ads or even SEO listings. Ah, great point. I think I saw on I'm pretty sure I saw on Twitter today. Somebody had posted the Bing, like the ChatGPT incorporated in Bing, the search engine, and there are ads in the response. So I'm going to try and find it. But if you search, maybe if you search Bing, ChatGPT ads, you might find the screenshot. But it has somebody answering, like asking a question, and then there's an answer, like ChatGPT answer. But there's a little ad next to certain points. And I think it might even be for an airline. So it's got the little ad written next to one of the sentences. And you can click on that ad. I know where it is. If you yeah. search, if you got, if you ever heard of a guy called Eric Sufert, and he just posted, oh, there you go. Anthony said he's seen the Bing chat ad. So, yeah. It's weird. It's what I'm worried about is less, less real estate. I shouldn't be worried about that. This lets real estate for ads. So when you don't have any more top, let's say now we are fighting for a top three and top of the SERP. But if you do through a prompt and you have only one result, first, will, the cost is going to increase. What about the normal competition, like a normal top three that we have? That's what I'm wondering about from chat GPT mm. answer or whatever bar or whatever. They don't want to lose that. The thing with search, the search engines, and this is really what it comes down to, is you know Google only exists because they developed this search engine that the whole world uses and it's turned into a verb. Mm-hmm. And that's what they need people using that search engine yeah. to have their business. So it's the user experience and I still think that it's the percentage of searches for people who are specifically looking for something to buy or look for a solution on, on Google search is so minuscule compared to the amount of searches that happen every day. So 
people searching for answers to things like how many grains of beach are there on the average beach? Sorry, how many grains of sand are there on the average beach? Just silly things, whatever. Just searching for information or serious information, like maybe just searching for some doing research, interested in something or how to make a certain recipe, things like that. It's informational searches are the vast majority of searches on Google. The proportion of people searching for something to buy, which is where we go after them with the Google ads, is much smaller. So you don't really need a chat GPT when you're searching for the latest Nike men's sneakers. If it's that specific, you're going to go and put that into Google search and you don't need chat GPT to give you an answer on that. You just you just know what you want. And that's where search engines are always just going to be superior to an AI chat because when people know what they want, they don't need chat GPT to have some clever answer for them. They just want to be like, oh, there you go. Nike's selling those shoes directly from the site or I can get it from Amazon. Oh, cool. There's my options. Go shopping. Now, I think it's more for things like those longer tail, those questions, what's the best way to add another room to my house? Okay, ChatGPT, it's incorporated AIs into the search engine. It's going to be, here are your options. You can do this, but you've got to consider this. And so it's really, that's the difference. That's where the SEO is going to be really important. Like We are already seeing how important SEO is if you're running PPC. And so... After the chat, the AI bots do come along with the search engine. I think it's going to be even more important to have um, SEO done on the website. So you're capturing that top of the funnel audience because they're still in the research phase. As what you Nick said that, you know, how to add a room to my, I forgot the question or what it was, but they're still looking to make a decision. They're in the research phase, they'll end up buying, right? Something raw material or a person who can build that room, they will end up buying. And so they are still in the research phase. And if you're able to capture those people in the research phase, then you can always go after them and make convert them. SEO is going to be very important moving forward. If you don't have a good website, you're not ranking on the top. It's going to be really difficult after that. Nick, you mentioned one of the ads that you saw being for an airline, which is a perfect segue into his question. Is there any special strategy of PC for travel agencies? Yes. <laughs> is that answers the question? No, I'm just thinking. No, of course. Definitely. So the travel in- industry is, as we know, very competitive. And just as Disclosure, I don't have a lot of experience in running ads for travel, but the feed that you're going to have is going to be drawn from the inventory. For example, for hotels, the inventory for hotels is going to be coming from a certain feed. And those prices are going to be dynamic. So somebody searching for a certain hotel in a certain city, you've got booking.com, you've got Priceline, you've got Kayak. You've got even Google offering prices for those trying to compete and they get they get the commissions. But so setting up your Google ads, if you're the the company who's offering those hotel rooms or it's even for an individual hotel, you can set up a feed with your basically your available rooms that's going to be shown based on your availability, based on cancellations, based on if it's a really, say it's like 4th of July weekend in the USA, things get really busy, prices go up. So it'll things will adjust based on all of those factors. So yeah, definitely some very advanced features 
for for travel that that you can implement. I just don't have a lot of hands-on experience there. So recently, what had happened was like Google came into the picture often and tra- started showing the travel agency's website plus the other OTAs like Booking.com, Agora, and all that. So only Google has that leverage where Google can show what's the price for a particular hotel on their website and on what's the price for that same hotel on Booking.com or on Agora. And that interface, that leverage to show this comparison is not with anybody else. You know, like Booking cannot do that. Booking.com can't do that. Only Google can do this. So if you are actually using Google Ads and you're showing your ads on the top, bring that traffic back to your original website because that's where first-party data is always going to help you because one reason your going your prices are always going to be lower as compared to any other OT because they charge commission and so you have a better leverage on that so if you are planning to use google ads i think using google ads to drive more traffic towards your website that's is something that's really going to be helpful if you have a travel agency yeah so we're coming up to an hour guys google team googlers if you will what else is going on here Any, anything else you want to discuss google related or things you've seen in any accounts that that we can share or just cool stories anything like that not really google related but i don't know why i'm so excited because it's coming from my generation of people searching things on tiktok and then tiktok search ads is something that i'm so excited about and how it will look like in my experience with google ads and try to test things on tiktok search ads unless it's banned yeah, yeah, in, the US. So yeah. in india also it's banned but yeah we have yeah. hang on a second is this is this news? Is TikTok actually banned in the US Not now? Yet. They're, they're talking about it. They're talking I, I about don't it. think it they're, got banned. No, they've been going yeah. through all the congressional hearings and stuff the lately. Congress last week, it was really woo. It was wild. Yeah, it wasn't looking good. So we'll see. But it is interesting that they're introducing some actual search ads. Like TikTok is probably one of the most underutilized not search engines. When you think about it, you, you think about the content on TikTok is so much how to do this. Here's how I did this, like recipes, stuff like that. So it's really. And, and how it's organically grown. And I've, as I've gone, visited certain places in the last few years, I've asked friends, oh, have you ever been to this place? And they said, yeah. I said, look, to find the good things, go on TikTok and just search like things to do in this area. And but you realize that's just an adoption from it's, I really do think it's a generational thing, but content that comes up, there, there's people relating to that short form content. And it is actually more exciting. There's a place here in Ecuador I went to called Banos, which is just a spectacular place with this town surrounded by these mountains and waterfalls. And it's amazing. But sure enough, I said, oh, what should I do there? And the experience when I went to TikTok and said things to do in Banos. It was so exciting. You saw it like these videos of people in the waterfalls going these bike rides down these mountains, and you actually see it right away. Whereas if I go to Google search, like sure, a trip advisor comes up, standard things, it's not as exciting. So, yeah, you got to click the images tabs. Oh, okay, there's right. pictures. Oh, these yeah. are real ones. These are stock photos. Okay, let me go to videos, see if anything comes up. And then, yeah, 
and it's a whole process to search on Google for that. Yeah. TikTok makes it real quick. And you imagine taking that a step further with products, say there's some kind of cool new shoes, sneakers, and you search for that sneakers, you search for that on TikTok, and then you have the content creators saying, oh, I've got these new shoes and like it's close-ups and here they, what they look like straight away. So it's, I think it's an interesting space. Search on TikTok. Thanks for bringing that up. It's, maybe that's a whole topic for another episode, but I don't know. Yeah. We're kind of getting out of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. We'll definitely do another episode on that. I think yeah. we need to. It's overdue. We'll make sure that, uh, Nick, we have some good TikTok dance videos of you to show everybody by the time we do that. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that challenge. <laughs> all right, guys, we're at an hour. I think it's a good time to wrap up. So thank you all for joining today. Everybody watching, thank you as well. If uh, you want to learn more about Tier 11, go over to tier11.com. You can check us out there. If you're interested in working with us, there's a big pink button you could press to fill out a form and submit your info to us. And if you would, we'd love your support here. If you could share, comment, subscribe to our channels here. We go live with the customer acquisition show every week, Friday at 10 a.m. Central. So we'd love to have you tune in every week. And yeah, we're happy you are here. Hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out to us and we will see you next week. Everybody, thank you for joining. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes. You know why most agencies fail in the first 30 days? Well, they don't do the work beforehand. And they realize once they start managing ad accounts and doing all the things that working alongside businesses like yours in order to get you the results that you want, they waste a whole lot of time in the first 30, 60, 90 days, and they're fumbling around in the dark. That's because they have not used what we do over at Tier 11, what we refer to as the strategic growth plan. Now, a strategic growth plan is a deep dive into what has gone on inside your ad accounts and your business with all the important financial metrics that you need in order to scale and grow. We analyze all that, come up with a plan that's 30, 60, 90 days out, and then we use that as our game plan once we start actively managing ads, once we start doing our creative research, once we start doing all our after-the-click extensive tracking on dev, but the plan is the key. And if you have an agency that is failing you right now, it's probably because they don't have a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So get your strategic growth plan over at tier11.com. Hit the big pink button, fill out the application, and we'll be in touch with you on how we can help you scale and grow your business through getting more customers and increasing their lifetime value. That's all we do at Tier 11. Head on over to tier11.com. Get your growth plan today.